Welcome to the City on a Hill podcast. City on a Hill is the young adult Catholic ministry in Kansas City. Our mission is to be the community that inspires and forms our generation to be saints. We hope that this episode can offer some inspiration to your life as well as give you a glimpse into our community. Welcome back to the City on a Hill podcast. I am here today with my assistant director, Dane Finney. Good to be back. Yeah. Welcome back, Dane. It, by the way, my name is Father Andrew Mattingly. I'm the director of City on a Hill and the host of this wonderful podcast where we interview incredible people and get their stories of faith and end up talking about who knows what else. <laughs> um, so, today on the show, we have... Uh, Dave and Sarah Masasi. So, welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, good to have you on the show. Um, So, normally, for those of you who maybe have listened to a few episodes already, we uh, start with a little banter and then we just uh, go into incredible stories of faith. I can't wait. Um, But first, Dave, you were telling us before the podcast, you have a very unique afternoon work environment or yeah tell us tell us a little bit about that yeah it's it's, it's pretty it's pretty great um about three o'clock is usually when um we go to the the tap um right now we have sierra nevada pale ale on tap so in uh, in your office in in my office uh you know of course <laughs> everything in moderation but uh yeah three o'clock is usually about uh about beer 30 <laughs> That's, uh, at my office, which is which is nice. Take a little ten minute break and get back to it. <laughs> and what do you what do you do for work? Uh, I I work in sales at a at a technology firm. Nice, in Kansas City. Nice. That's awesome. Who who installed the tab? Do you know? Is it like the? No idea. Okay. No idea. <laughs> That'd be awesome if it was just like some guy who's like a sales guy there and like came in late one night and just sort of just like I'm gonna there. install this and see if like anyone puts up a fuss you know <laughs> yeah and uh yeah no that's awesome that's great and you guys are expecting your first child yes which is very exciting I don't did you want that to be public knowledge oh sorry totally fine. okay <laughs> <laughs> sorry I probably should ask that um great so how how's it been for you Sarah so far it has been ups and downs for sure. Um, yeah, the first trimester for me was a lot harder than I expected it to be. Hmm. I always heard, you know, you hear of like people having morning sickness and like not feeling well and things, but I honestly always had like a picture in my mind of pregnancy just being like so happy, like it's just going to be so great to be pregnant. You know, you have that (laughs) glow and you're just so excited to have a baby. Um, but yeah, it really did hit me. I was like, this does not feel good <laughs> to be <laughs> nauseous like yeah. all the time. I mean, and I wasn't even nauseous all the time. Um, really only for like t- like two solid weeks mm. that I actually counted that I was feeling nauseous mm. like constantly like the whole entire day. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But that's not even like that long compared to I know what a lot of people have endured. So <laughs> um, definitely some growing experiences. But um, yeah, now I'm feeling a lot better. Uh, and yeah, like <clears throat> basically like I did before we even got pregnant. So great. Thanks yeah, for the trimester. Yeah. 
Nice. Amen. Good. Good. Um, great. Well, unless you had anything to add no, about your I day, think, Dan? No, today. Well, actually, yeah, I do have something to add about today. Mm. Um, we recently just merged back with the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joseph, and mm-hmm. today was onboarding day. Onboarding. So I kind of went in thinking it was going to be at the most 60 minutes, and it was quite lengthy. Um, we'll multiply that by quite a few. So um, it was a good day, and it was it was really beautiful, actually, to take Taylor around and introduce her to the environment, but to also, uh, there were a couple people with whom I'd kind of built these little relationships in different departments and um, just older women that were around the office and they had seen me and said, it is so good to see you again. Hi. And of course, there's the COVID weirdness. Everyone has a mask on. You're not really sure if that's them because is it your face? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. um, but to be, <laughs> yeah, yeah. to be received with so much joy. I mean, that's mm. just a that's just a good day. So mm-hmm. if that was a longer than my original plan, so be it, right? It's not yeah. what a cross. <laughs> yeah. It was a it was a really big gift today. So yeah. exciting new chapter mm-hmm. and yeah. yeah, it's good. For our listeners, yeah, City on a Hill, Young Adult Ministry in Kansas City is uh, um, where I'm director, Dane's assistant director and Taylor Downey, who we actually just had on the podcast just before you guys. Um is our uh, events and membership coordinator. So that's our team of three. And uh, yeah, we're excited for uh, whatever lies ahead, whatever yeah. the Lord has in store. Yeah. But um, great. Well, without further ado, which one of you guys wants to... St- we don't have any sort of fancy <laughs> days pointing to Sarah. So Sarah, you're going to start. All righty. Um, yeah, just, just tell... The spirit told us that... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was quick. Yeah, voluntold. That's right. Yeah, yeah. tell us your... Um, your, your story of faith, your testimony. Okay. Um, well, I feel like it's appropriate, I guess, to just always start with like a little bit of family background, um, <clears throat> how I grew up. So, um, yeah, I, my parents and my family, like we were introduced to the faith uh, through like going to mass every Sunday um, and saying our mealtime prayer before dinner time. Um, that was just kind of the standard, what we did. Uh, and we went to, my siblings and I went to a Catholic school until I was like mid, uh, elementary school. Um, so we got some like religious education and, uh, that kind of thing. So for me, like until about like junior high, it was just very, the faith was, um, just in a book basically. Like it was (laughs) just a class. Um, and mass, and there was no really like discussion about like why we were doing these things or like who Jesus is as a person, um, and why we should have a relationship with him. It was just like, this is the right thing to do. Um, and so this is what we're going to do. So, uh, yeah. So with that, I guess, you know, just not a very, like, definitely a foundation of like morals and values and things, um. But it, yeah, I learned a lot later on about um, actually having a relationship with God, which started um, pretty early on, actually, in like junior high time when we transferred to a public school and um, there was no Catholic, this was a really small town, and so there was no Catholic school there. And so there was a lot of kids involved in like the youth ministry (laughs) and things at this uh, local Bible church. And so... 
Um, I like got involved in that. Um, it was the Wednesday night thing to do. And, uh, really like honestly saw like people who had so much joy and like they just seemed like they had a lot of life and were like excited and happy to be at church and that is just not what I saw in our um Catholic parish unfortunately when I was yeah just prior to that and so it was kind of like a you know whatever they had like I wanted it kind of thing Hmm. and um this was so eighth grade, like I was also supposed to be getting confirmed. Like I was still going through like the um, education. And so that was like, you know, confirmation class time and time to get that sacrament. And so, um, yeah, but for me, you know, at that point, it was just another like thing to do. Like I didn't really understand the significance or like why it was so great. And so, um, I actually told my mom like at that time that I didn't want to be Catholic anymore and like had no intention of ever being Catholic again. Um, and so she was actually very like understanding my parents. Like I could tell that it was hard for them, but they like, I think did a really good job of um, like supporting me in that, but also like saying, but we know that like, <laughs> you know, the Catholic is, um, like, this is what we should be doing. And so <clears throat> I couldn't even drive yet. So they would literally take me like we would go to wow. church, like to like at the Bible church and we'd go to Sunday mass. Like we were doing that for. They would all come with you. Yeah. My whole family would come with me. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. So really like very supportive. Like, it, yeah, it's pretty incredible to think back to that. But yeah, and pretty funny, too, because my brother, <laughs> I mean, he's young, five years younger than me. And so. He was like, what, second grade at this time? And so for him, just going to church for like another <laughs> two hours or whatever it was sure. going to be was not, a, not what he wanted. So Penance is what it was. <laughs> exactly. For him, yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah. So my parents, they would just gradually like kind of be like uh, reading something Catholic or like trying to be like sly about it but like you know i knew what they were doing um <laughs> uh but there really was like it just total like holy spirit moment one night of my dad like was reading something about the eucharist and yeah it was definitely just the grace of god because i like literally wasn't even paying attention and then like i just like it's like my ears just opened. Hmm. I listened to him and he was talking about the Eucharist, like being Jesus Christ, like body, blood, soul, and divinity fully. And so then for me at that point to be hearing that and also like having this kind of like Protestant, um, I guess a little bit of a background at that point of like, um, always hearing the message of like how Jesus like died for your sins um was like so in that moment it was like wow like so he not only like died for me but he is still present like all the time with like with me and for me in the eucharist and like wants me to consume him like he wants to be that close to me um was just was like mind-blowing uh and so i yeah like prideful me i didn't i like knew that i need like okay like i have to be catholic now but 
Um, <laughs> Instant, instantaneously that, that, I, that thought occurred to you. Yeah, but it was kind of in like a um, defiant kind of way, you mm. know, like I was like, like I remember saying to my dad, like, why would he ever want to do that for us? And then just like went up to my room and that's <laughs> being like a teenager. <laughs> totally. Uh, but um, yeah, but I did like, no, really that like, how could I like say no to that? You know? Um, so that was like early on in high school. That was like my freshman year of high school probably. And then uh, I ended up getting confirmed like my sophomore year um, of high school. So then, so then yeah, I kind of had this like interesting, I don't know, like, like I, I was young and had this like kind of like fire for the church, you know, and like being at mass, like, like Jesus really opened my eyes to just like the beauty of it and being able to like be present in mass. Like I remember times in high school of like, like just really like being like, yes, like um, listening to the prayers, you know, and like taking it in and things. And um, so, but then like, you know, the rest of high school and I go to college my freshman year and it was like, I like, so yeah, I like had this fire for the church, but at the same time it was kind of like, um, I don't know. It's like, I still didn't really have this like really solid, um, foundation or like love for Jesus, I guess. Um, and so my freshman year was like really hard of college and, um, I definitely, you know, kind of, I was alone. Like I felt really alone and it was like hard to make friends. And I was like, I don't know, coming from a small school, um, where it was like, they were all, it was all my friends were just like the sports team. Like you didn't have to try to make friends, yep. <laughs> um, to that totally being different. I was like, wow, like, I don't know, you know, I just was having a hard time. So, um, yeah, like got into, you know, the party kind of culture and, um, there were, yeah, I definitely had moments there just remembering like this just like really lonely feeling mm -hmm. and like realizing like these people aren't my real friends. Like <laughs> they don't really actually care about me, you know? Um, and so my sister invited me one summer to, this was uh, after my sophomore year of college, I think. Yeah. To um, prayer in action, which is a, it's uh, started in this line of diocese. Um, don't know who all out there, I guess, is familiar with it, but it's like a um, mission trip in your own backyard is kind of like the slogan hmm. um, experience. <laughs> and so it's like a week long of the summer. It's usually it's for high school kids, but they also started a college week. Um, so, yeah, you are like serving people in like local communities and then you have like time of prayer. There's mass every day and adoration and uh, uh, confession and things like that. So. Um, kind of getting the full Catholic experience and, um, yeah, that was like the, um, just the major like turning point where <laughs> Jesus like just really like grabbed my heart and it was like, I, there's like no looking back from this point forward. Um, and that was the night that of adoration and confession, um, First of all, at this prayer, it was like I was witnessing people my age, like in college, who 
um, like loved the Lord and, um, yeah, just had that like joy and just that peace, you know, um, they didn't, they weren't like living really in the party culture nor did they like really want that. Um, yeah. So that was like very attractive to me and hearing like young people also like giving these talks about like, you can become a saint. Um, and that was like, I was like, wow, like what, you know, like, it's like, I would want that. Like, um, hmm. and here actually I like, um, someone talked about like Pierre Giorgio Frasati. Um, and that was like, just stuck with me, like how he lived, you know, would bring friends along with him and like, um, yeah, just how he served and was really young, right? Wasn't he really young? 24 when, okay. he, when he died. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, pertinent to your age. Right. Yeah, or close to your age. Yeah. So that was like right before we were going into adoration and, um, yeah, again, it was just kind of like this like preparation. It was like my heart just like knew like, it's like something big was about to happen. You know, I was like, I was like holding back tears, like on our way into the chapel and I was just like ready, like (laughs) to like give a confession, you know, of like my life. (laughs) And, um, yeah, like, so it did went to confession and it was just like after that that um sitting in front of adoration it was like i like that you know this is like has to be the turning point of like i've had this like faith you know and like i have to um like live for jesus now like wholeheartedly and uh yeah that, that like that is what like i truly desire um and I sudden like in that moment just had the grace of like not caring about like if I didn't even have any friends, if you know, I wasn't cool, like all these all these things. Hmm. Um and so obviously that wasn't, you know, after that, like I haven't still like ever, you know, like perfectly felt that for the rest of my of my days. But um yeah, so then so that was, you know, midway through college. And then that just like propelled me into like diving into the community at the parrot at the like Newman Center there and like starting to pray more regularly, learning about what that was like. Um, yeah, really just like diving in. And then um, which led me into uh, being a Catholic missionary with um, focus for two years, which was at KU, um, which is where I met my husband now sitting beside me um so i'm sure we can dive into that a little bit more later <laughs> I'm not, i don't really care about dave's story so <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. just kidding just kidding man Thanks, Bob. Just kidding. <laughs> so yeah then the time of of like in focus i guess was like i i feel like that was kind of a time of like really diving in to like my relationship with the father um more like I yeah that was kind of honestly the like entering uh focus was the first time I really like it really like hit me personally that like man like I am like you know we live in a fallen world like I am wounded and broken like things have happened to me that God cares about you know and Jesus is like um yeah has come for so uh anyway and then yeah. 
going into, yeah, learning more just about like my relationship with the father specifically, as I said, um, and who I am like as a daughter and that that's like that, that identity like comes first. Um, so anyway, and that's just kind of, yeah, I feel like that's honestly still kind of been the theme now. Um, as well as, yeah, we've obviously entered marriage now. And so I think I can be done now with this <laughs> portion of my story. Yeah. We'll pick it back um, up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, thank you for sharing. Yeah. So it sounds like you kind of had sort of two moments of conversion, if you will. Yeah. Like that, that living room experience with your dad and, mm-hmm. oh, wow, like, I guess... I guess the Eucharist is real and mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to be Catholic. And then and then with prayer and action kind of realizing, okay, I have to I have to actually sort of give my whole self. Right. Kind of. Is that is yeah. that sort of condense them, I guess? Yeah. Sort of a totally. Dual. Yeah. That's it's really interesting because I was just talking to someone the other day about this, how sometimes we can maybe oversimplify the reality of, of conversion mm. for someone. Um to, to be like this one all-encompassing moment. And yeah. for some people, that's the case. Um, but oftentimes, this sort of decision to give our whole self to the Lord, and of course, that has to be developed until we die. You know, we mm-hmm. have to sort of deepen that uh, sort of, yeah, decision to, to give everything to God. But, but even just that initial... Um, act of giving everything could sometimes come in pieces can sort of like yeah. and i run into people a lot for example who like first they intellectually assent to everything mm. and they're like well, i believe this is the truth like yeah. this is the one church founded by jesus and but they haven't yet made a firm decision to like try and root out sin from their life for example mm-hmm. and maybe that comes later and maybe even that comes in sort of bits and pieces like right. and so um I don't know. So it's interesting that you describe kind of these two distinct moments, you know? Yeah. Um, to not put anyone's experience of giving everything to God into a box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you're, if in your time as a missionary, if you, if you met lots of people whose experiences of conversion were similar to your own, maybe, or yeah. if you can talk about that. Or what? Sorry. I don't know if you can t- sort of oh, describe yes. a few, um, yeah, few people. Yeah. Um, okay. Right. It's interesting, like you're saying, how everyone's stories like really are so different. And sometimes it feels like, right, there has to be like this one moment. It's like, what was what was your life like before? Like, you know, the moment and now. But um, yeah, there one person that's coming to mind is um, a girl like even when. So I was at KU for two years and I, gosh, I think I met her my freshman or my freshman, my first year. <laughs> um, and she was a, like, so once I left, I think she had one more year or two more years after I um, left KU. So anyway, and the time that I was there though, even just like the very like slow, like just seemed like such a slow growth, but it was like, you, you know, like you knew that she was there, like, she wanted it, but it was just coming in like these little like bits and pieces. Hmm. Um, and just, and how much too, like she had to, um, that was like going on in her life or it had happened, you know, that was like, I can understand like why that would take 
time, you know, like just hard things mm-hmm. to like work through in your mind and your heart or whatnot. And it wasn't even until like after I left KU that I could even see in her like just like a deep lasting like transformation Hmm. with like the missionaries that came next um yeah which was really cool Hmm. to to like just know that it was like continuing and like i think so i went to her wedding um she got married so yeah she i was like gone from ku for a whole year by and then she got married um and like just seeing who she was then was like almost like a different person just Hmm. like this like intense piece you know about like who she was um Hmm. and yeah had just grown so much even for my time of like being away so yeah it's like sometimes right it's like i don't even know if i could tell you like what her like big moment was um so yeah yeah that's a great example Mm -hmm. um shifting gears a bit before we get to dave's story um I know now you're 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 working on studying to be a, a counselor. Mm-hmm. So maybe be interested to know kind of what led you to want to pursue that and how, yeah. how it's gone and Yeah. Okay. Um so really like because of focus, I think like my experience with that, um did counseling like ever enter my mind? Uh and I think kind of even what I mentioned before of like realizing like my own, like brokenness and woundedness and that and and especially like seeing that in others too and how much that can um like hinder or stop them from like receiving god (laughs) uh was like really like i think like my motivation to um pursue that but also even noticing like um and learning about my like just the way that God has like gifted me or might want to like use um, me in the world. Uh, Yeah. Because so in, as a missionary, we had a lot of, um, you know, we're like leading Bible studies, a lot of different kinds of things, but my like favorite where I just like felt like I like thrived and um, yeah, the most was in like one-on-one interactions And so, and just, yeah, like sitting in a room with someone listening to them and like, you know, kind of getting to like the root of of like underneath, you know, what was there. Um, And so I thought that that could perhaps be used in counseling. Um, Yeah. And that it could just be a way of like, yeah, opening people, you know, to like be more open to God, if that makes sense. And um yeah, just learning, you know, learning things about yourself, like communication, different things can it like just directly translate, I think, to your relationship with God. So, yeah. Great. Uh, that, make, if that answers. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, it's definitely the case that there are, there can be a lot of human obstacles to a relationship with God. And yeah. You, I mean, usually they b- would boil down to like things that we've done that have hindered that or uh-huh. things that have been done to us. Right. By someone else. Um, and uh, so, yeah, working on those sort of human uh, obstacles, yeah. if you will, in counseling can be of great, uh, great value. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. That's great. 
Yeah. Thank you. Hope it goes well. And you got a couple yeah. years, a couple years left still. Yeah. Still okay. Over. It's three years total. So. Yeah. We're chugging right along. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. Good. Mm-hmm. Dave, dude, tell us tell us about your life, man. <laughs> You're up. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny as you were saying. You know, it's really cool, Sarah, how you had kind of two pivotal moments where you were just able to accept um, and really take on the faith. Um, and how that was just very neat in her life, but how in some other people's lives it had taken, you know, a long time um, to really accept the faith and, and to uh, actually incorporate it in, into their life. I, I would say I definitely fall into the latter camp. Um, you know, it took me several uh, iterations to to try to get on the right path. Um, but uh, so I, I guess I was I was raised um, in a Catholic family, so raised as a Catholic, uh, and went to a, a fantastic uh, Catholic school, parochial school, and got a fantastic Catholic education, really. Um, moral teaching and theology and philosophy, all just very good. Um, however, and, and I think that so much of that would benefit me later in life. But at the time, when I was in grade school and high school, I couldn't, I couldn't really soak it in um, into my heart anyways. I, there was a variety of things that really just made me uh, hard-hearted and uh, resistant to actually incorporating Catholic belief and um, prayer, really, into my life um, at, a, at a deep level. I had a lot of good influences around me, uh, and I'm very grateful for them who were able to come into my life and point me in the right direction. But uh, really, as I left the home for college, I was in a very uh, closed off and not healthy place interiorly. Hmm. Um, And so when I came to college, kind of you know, shipwrecked, uh, that, that first semester, um, and, and you're really, um, kind of just downward spiral into, uh, a very sort of selfish and worldly way of living that was really kind of rooted in, in just distancing myself from anything that I might be feeling or, um, experiencing that, that was hard for me. Um, so, I kind of found myself towards the latter half of my freshman year um, at KU uh, very alone and sort of distanced from God and the church. I kind of stopped going to Mass, and that was always something that was important to me before, but suddenly it had just kind of slipped into 
it was like an obscure practice that I just kind of didn't really, I felt guilty about not doing, but I didn't really want to do. Um, and I think that God really had to let me get to that point to see that really it was going to be relationships that would bring me back to the church and back to him um, because I had really before not understood Catholicism for me and Christianity overall as a relationship. Um, I understood it as, you know, a textbook kind of, as you were saying, Sarah. Um, and so I, I was fortunate enough at the very beginning of my freshman year to get connected with some very good people, um, some of which were from my hometown. And uh, one person in particular just continued to reach out and invite me um, to events, invite me to, uh, you know, different faith-centered and just social events that would be happening at the St. Lawrence Center or at a friend's house. And for a while, I just sort of, you know, pushed this person off and, yeah, we can hang out, but I don't really want to do anything um, around the church. And so one night, um, I got invited to a party from this person and actually ended up meeting a guy who would be become the best man in my wedding, one of the best men in my wedding, um, <laughs> and uh, uh, just really developed what I would call my first very uh, deep and intimate relationship of my adult life, hmm. uh, of friendship. Um, and this guy's name is Tim, um, and... Uh, Tim, I was living in the dorms. He would, I basically used any excuse to get out of the dorms. Um, and I would, <laughs> I would go hang out with Tim and about, uh, halfway through the year, he goes, you know, Hey, you know, I wanted to talk to you about something. Okay. Yeah, sure. What's up? You know? <laughs> and, uh, at this time, you know, I'm still little hesitant about faith and really taking any sort of a deeper dive, uh, just sort of doing what I needed to do to sort of socially skate by and gain uh, some sort of social approval. And it's like, you know, I want you to consider coming on uh, a, a, like a retreat, but it's not a retreat, it's a conference. That's with this organization called Focus. At this time, I had no idea what focus was. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah sure. You know, you're really being serious about this. It's kind of weird. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, we're, n we're never really serious about anything. And then he's sort of sitting me down. Okay. Um, yeah, what, what, do, what do I need to do? Well, it's going to be in Texas. It's going to cost 350 bucks. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm probably not going. <laughs> and he's like, Okay, well, you know, if I could talk to the focus team and get it paid for it for you to go, would you go? Sure. Sure, yeah. 
yeah, totally. You can <laughs> the money, I'll, I'll go. And so I said that thinking that, you know, there's no way that I'm going to go to this conference because, yeah, sure, you know, I get a free weekend, I'll go, but otherwise, probably not. And literally the next day, get a call from Tim. He's like, hey, we got to pay for it. You can come. <laughs> so now I'm like trapped. I literally don't have an excuse because I just had this conversation the night before. Oh, gosh. Dave, okay. I'm sorry. That was my team that fundraised that money for yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, I was one of the missionaries. <laughs> yeah, nice. I know. I know. Yeah, I love this. And so, <laughs> I'm not, but you know what I mean. It's, uh, it, it's pretty gotcha. cool. Pinja. Yeah, sort of connection that we have. And uh, Keep going, yeah. so, yeah, we, we go on this focus conference and really for the the first time I, I I went to confession and I didn't just go because I felt some sort of like, okay, I need to get back in the Catholic tree house, you know, <laughs> the, the, really the only way back in is to go to confession. So I'll go to confession. But I actually, I was truly sorry, but I wanted, um, I wanted healing from the sacrament and for the first time I was really able to open up to a priest in confession and you know, I'd, I'd been before as a, as a kid and throughout high school but it was kind of that sense of obligation and kind of going half-heartedly um, but this priest just really spoke into a lot of the woundedness that I had had uh, in my life and uh, a lot of forgiveness that needed to happen in my heart and challenged me, frankly, to be a better man um, and to be a man for Christ. And so I, I think that that was really a major point of, I guess we'll call it reversion back to practicing my faith and um yeah, from there i i come off of that that conference and you know i'm just pumped up but i still have all these attachments to sin and um you know that next tim and several of our our good really of our best friends um lived together for the rest of our college years um, but yeah, it was probably, you know, it was a couple of years of really not, not hitting the mark, uh, sort of starting to root out sin, but really compromising. And it, it took me, you know, a while, um, probably another year or two to develop a semi-regular habit of prayer, um, and, and, you know, receiving the sacraments regularly, going to Mass. But it was in 2016 that I, I was deciding between basically an internship or um, one of my friends had said, hey, you need to check out this thing called Camp Voitiwa. And uh, Camp Voitiwa is just the happiest place on earth i think <laughs> um and it's um it's a high adventure catholic summer camp for 
middle schoolers and, and high schoolers. And, you know, I just, for the first time, really felt the Lord calling me to do something. And so I decided to give a summer to volunteer at Camp Wojtyla. And that was really what I would call the turning point for me. Hmm. Um, because prior to serving at Camp Wojtyla, I had done the things I had, you know, checked the boxes. I was praying semi-regularly, but I was still falling into major areas of sin on a pretty regular basis. And I just thought, you know, that's the way it goes. Hmm. You know, just kind of do the best you can and move on. Um, and this, the people that I served with at this camp, for the first time, I saw men in my life, laymen, who truly didn't compromise at all in their faith. Um, just hard as nails guys that were cool, actually, um, and that loved God and that knew how to pray in ways that I did not. Um, knew how to be just themselves and open with the Lord. And so I really, you know, I went to serve at this camp, but I came away, you know, feeling like I got, I, I was more changed than, I don't know, that I changed other people so much, but the Lord really worked in my life from there. Um, I would say that that was the point where I really, really developed uh, a consistent, habitual, um, devotion to prayer. And I think coming out of college and, um, so many of the big decisions that I, I made after that point were all rooted from a place of prayer. Um, and especially meditation on scripture, just understanding what that was. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, Definitely things weren't perfect after after that. Uh, but that was, I would say, you know, a major, major pivoting point for me uh, in taking a relationship with God for actually being a, a, a relationship instead of just something that I did, you know. Hmm. So, yeah. Then shortly there, thereafter, I met Sarah. <laughs> I don't know if we're holding off on that bit or what. No, you should tell the, uh, I remember hearing this at your wedding reception, I think. You should tell the story of uh, like the yearly, um, uh, yeah. what was it, the yearly thing that you guys yearly would do? Review. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is great. This is great. This is great. Well, you know, as young single guys do. <laughs> Each year when a new group of beautiful Catholic missionaries were coming <laughs> to <laughs> campus, we'd be really excited to see who they were. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know what it's called, like announcement day or uh -huh. field day. Sure. Or for focus missionaries. For yeah. focus yeah. missionaries. You know, it, it's essentially, those of you who don't know, 
it's the day that on social media everybody posts about what university they're going to, what team they're going to be on, what university they're going to be serving at. And, you know, I forgot which of my roommates pulled it up and, man, you check out the missionaries that are coming. I was like, holy moly. That woman is gorgeous. And lo and behold, now you're married. That became my wife. <laughs> I had no idea you called it the yearly review. <laughs> I kind of came up with that on the spot. Maybe that's oh, little, okay, got it. A little ad lib. Well, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> that's great, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's what we'll call it from here on out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I've heard you talk before about Camp Wojtyla. It sounds like absolutely incredible. And um, yeah. I mean, was there a specific <clears throat> moment uh, kind of during that summer where there was maybe a, a bigger light bulb than normal about kind of the men around you or, or was it maybe even a moment where you were sort of um, like pouring out the love of God to one of these middle schoolers or high schoolers where you sort of, you know. Yeah. yeah I mean, there, honestly, there, it was a lot of moments. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think I can reduce it to just one, but really just diving into prayer in a completely secluded place. Your phone, your cell phone does not work. Um, what a gift so yeah, yeah right? right what a gift wow um so there's absolutely no distraction um there's no infrastructure on site hmm. so you're in a hammock all summer or on the ground um hmm. so you're 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 completely exposed really to everything including wow. god and i think just waking up hmm. every morning um beginning it with prayer as the sun rises over the peaks in Colorado, um, that was, it still informs my spirituality. Hmm. Thinking of memories of prayer from camp, it, it still brings newness into prayer now. But I think also just the relationships and the although the you know the female role models that were there were fantastic um and like i learned a lot but remember that uh, too that like talk i thought that was pretty big or you thought was that about sin like when you learned about that, Wasn't that... Yeah. yeah i don't know um yeah i don't know if we'll edit this out or not but oh was it on the okay? uh, You just fire away. I we thought, can, we can, just, we can decide later. Moment. Yeah, yeah it, it, it definitely was. Okay. So, I mean, one really impactful moment. We were, so prior to your serving campers at all, there's like this really intense three weeks, I want to say, of formation hmm. where you're living a kind of quasi-monastic life. Um, you have a, three-day silent retreat you have a we had a missionary priest father riley was his name um who just would teach these profound lessons and one of them that he spoke on was carmelite spirituality and 
So he began speaking about essentially the progression of the spiritual life. So the first was he, he started on this whiteboard. And if you could imagine like an upward trending graph, that's kind of what he's drawing. He's drawing with two big pits in the middle, um, two big dips. And so he starts at the very bottom corner, left hand, and then he goes to the very top right. And he draws it and he says, the first is the purgative way. The second is the second flat zone is the illuminative way. Um, and the third is the father. Can you help me out with this? Unitive. <laughs> way. Um, and then you've got the dark night of the senses and the dark night of the soul as the two major dips, so to speak, in the middle. Mm-hmm. And so all this is a progression of your unity with God. Um, and so he's drawing this and he's saying the purgative way, this is where probably 80% of people end up. Then, you know, there's probably 10% of people who live in the illuminative way or like 19% of people who live in the illuminative way. And there's like 1% who will make it to the unitive. Um, and he kind of talked about know mother Teresa, her dark night of uh the soul and uh talked about how most of us will never probably experience that um and he goes so if you're still in a habitual state of mortal sin if you have mortal sin as a habit in your life you are not yet on the chart And so uh, myself and what became one of my very good friends, we kind of look at each other. And this is during like a silent lunch. (laughs) Silent no more. (laughs) We're just kind of sitting there like, you know, sweating. (laughs) That's awesome. And uh, that's great. You know, we, we went on a walk afterwards. I sort of confided in my friend, um, Hey, did you hear that about what he said? <laughs> Were you listening? About the, the chart? He's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I heard that. So. <laughs> that was real. <laughs> and um, I think it put in perspective for the first time what damage sin does to my like to anybody's soul. Hmm. Um, and it kind of made me take it seriously. I didn't even understand that. I didn't understand the lasting effects on your holiness and relationship with God that serious sin has. Um, Yeah. That's awesome. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because sometimes that comes up um, in chatting with people and confession or spiritual direction, especially uh, that whole, you know, progression of the spiritual life. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times... I'll run across people who sort of come out of this long-standing habit of some kind of mortal sin, whatever it may be, and they'll sort of because they've spent so many years like battling that, they kind of feel like there's nothing left like in the spiritual life, um, you know, like they come out of it and yeah. then they're like uh well, what now? And then when you explain to them like oh you're you're just at the beginning now. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. now you have this whole beautiful landscape mm-hmm. ahead of you. Um, I've seen m- many of them just sort of like kind of light up and sort of mm-hmm. like, oh, wow. 
like, this is exciting. Like, you know, I thought basically I'm a saint now that I've sort of overcome, <laughs> yeah. you know, like that can be kind of the, the thought process. It's, it's sort of occupied so much of their, their thoughts. And, um, and then they're like, oh, wait, yeah, there's this whole friggin' whiteboard chart in front of me. And <laughs> this is kind of exciting, actually, you know, like I, mm. I didn't realize the spiritual life maybe was as profound as this. Um, so, yeah. So I think it, that knowing that can be helpful for someone both still in, um, you know, a habit of sin and someone who sort of maybe has come out of that. Um, just knowing the depths that God is calling us all to is like, hopefully, can be inspiring and 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 profoundly helpful um could also be intimidating if someone isn't yeah help to understand it properly <laughs> but yeah but uh but yeah that's cool thanks for sharing that yeah yeah, yeah it was uh definitely a big shift in understanding of where i was at yeah yeah mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yep it makes me think of a story in a book um so Sometimes I can get harsh on myself because I, I'm not particularly drawn to something that's all fact in picking mm-hmm. up a book off the shelf. But if I, I can read a C.S. Lewis book and crank through that puppy because it's nonfiction and I can, as being an only child, have an imagination that I can put myself in a story, mm-hmm. sometimes to an egotistical amount that I'd prefer not to admit while I'm reading it, you know, but I can <laughs> insert myself into a story and really learn from it. Um, but as you're articulating this, um, whiteboard, which made me turn to father and look at him cause he just loves whiteboards. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, but to, to see that, okay, I'm not even on the chart, you know, and you have this awakening of a beautiful landscape to use your words, father. Um, it made me think of, um, probably my favorite nonfiction book is till we have faces. And there's two, there's two sisters, um, one of whom is um, very, very pure and uh, taken to live in a, a magical place with a, with a deity. And it, it's, it's pagan in origin, this book, but it's to liken to the Christian life. So I'm not advocating for Greco mythology to be the end all be all, but to say that she was brought to this deity where she could see this castle and this palace. And she was with this God of all gods and her sister comes to meet her and her sister sees her and she goes, you're wearing rags and you're living in an imaginary land. What's wrong with you? I don't Mm. see any castle. Mm. And she goes, please come with me. Like Mm. it's beautiful. It's majestic. And she's radiant and so full of joy. And this sister who doesn't have the eyes for the spiritual realm, Hmm. completely shuns her, completely rejects and says, you're in la-la land. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so even to, and for for a split moment, she sees this castle, the sister caught in sin and completely rejects it. And and said, Mm -hmm. and does not have the humility in the Mm -hmm. moment to say, sister, I believe you. Mm. Um, so even to have the mm. grace move, the grace moving within you, Dave, to say, um, wow, I'm sweating actually, <laughs> um, as this man, as this priest is giving this talk. And then furthermore, to have the humility to dialogue about it with a friend. And I love how you, 
I mean this in all love, the way that two men would share about this. Did you hear this? Yeah, that was real. <laughs> I would be like, are you kidding me? I'm not on the chart. You know, like I would totally like divulge all my cards. But in the way that men are wired to show your cards was to say, and it was so humble. Um, did you, you, did hear, you hear that? Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, I'm sweating buckets, man. <laughs> yeah. But but really the, the vulnerability in that moment to share that um, – Man, I'm not even on the chart, and I want to be. Mm. Um, at that point, you mm. could you could pursue the beautiful landscape. At that point in the book, this sister could have the eyes to see the beautiful landscape that is the Christian life, you know, um, mm. and to as- want to assent to that mm. unitive way. Um, I forget, and I serve the church that that's the that that's the desire on my heart. Mm. But as you talk yeah. about that, I'm excited to live mm. it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I say all of that because I'd love to hear the the way by which you guys are living that beautiful landscape together um, in the bumps that that is your life and the, and the beauty that that is there too. Yeah. I, I love too that you called it just in describing it as a beautiful landscape. Like I feel like I'm going to take that with me because it's like, like I just feel like I forget like, Oh yeah, there's like so much more like uh, to dive into or like so much yeah. deeper to go. Um, yeah in this in this walk um and journey so it can just you know i'm sure as you know like just get kind of tiring sometimes mm-hmm. um and so yeah just to hear that reminder you know like the beaut like it is beautiful um of course it's going to be right tiring and challenging but worth it <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah yeah i love dave before we move on and just yeah. get we get both your stories together um the role friendship obviously played in your story yeah. at different moments. And uh, it's interesting to hear people's stories and how nobody, when you read the lives of the saints, I mean, none of them became a saint by themselves. Um, that's just sort of like a law that the Lord has built us as human beings to like be reliant on other people, yeah. um, not just for physical things. Like when you're an infant, obviously you rely on other people just to survive materially, but to become a saint, the Lord has set things up to where it's actually impossible to do it by yourself. Um, however, it's it's interesting in different people's stories how early on what you might call like pre-conversion, friendship can play like a greater or lesser role. Some people can come to conversion even without having developed a significant friendship yet. Um, but obviously from that point forward to become a saint, they will have to mm. develop that to some extent. Um, mm. And so, yeah. Uh, not always do we hear a story. I, I would say it's more more often than not, but um, not always the case that friendship is absolutely critical mm. pre-conversion. And uh, I don't know, it's cool to see how in your own story, just several different friends yeah. in particular kind of played a, a role. And I remember being at your wedding reception, just got, hearing several of them talk, you know, about, <laughs> about uh, yeah the the friendship that you guys have had and it was pretty it was pretty moving at different points i was like man this guy has a lot of good friends <laughs> um, yeah I, friends I, yeah I, I i don't know what to say i mean like i'm incredibly blessed with the friends that i have um and yeah I certainly with probably not be practicing my faith without hmm. the intervention of friends Yeah, um, to just help me see 
what what intimate relationship looks like yeah you know um and yeah to have that modeled with men that i'm close with really in brotherhood um has made it possible i think for me to glimpse what friendship with god looks like yeah you know yeah and i don't know that it would have been a possible otherwise yeah so that's great man um good you guys want to kind of share how how you met each other and how things have gone maybe up to you got married and then i'm i'm particularly interested in learning about how you've uh, accustomed yourselves to the married vocation mm. um so i don't know if you want to start sarah okay yeah how we met yeah how and, you met and, yeah okay yeah. i'll try to make that brief. well we keep, we'll keep flipping back and forth yeah. okay yeah um the, i mean he told a little bit of his the beginning of the story yeah that's right <laughs> yeah facebook stuff the drama's yeah. been yeah. going on yeah. in the background ever so slightly <laughs> exactly. yeah. yeah when uh i so. saw her first nice <laughs> right <laughs> So, um, all through my, so, you know, I get to campus and, um, his, so Dave was already good friends with like my team director hmm. at the time. And he had, I mean, his two brothers, Tim is, is, was my team director's brother. And so there was just, you know, some connection there. And, uh, but so all of my first year, um, we're on a dating fast, which means no dating. Um, <laughs> so, um, I mean, the idea of like dating Dave, honestly, was like never um, really in my mind my first year. I guess, except, okay, well, I will well, say, well. until, you know, <laughs> someone, except, <laughs> okay. um, someone, you know, has to ask the question when we're on the dating path, like, if you could date a student right now, who would it be? <laughs> and so, yeah, so I, my answer was Dave. Um, so that's, you know, kind of fun. Was that like one um, month in or eight months in? Uh, <laughs> oh, maybe like mid-year oh, okay. or All so. Right. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> and the KU students are particularly sensitive to this because a student and a missionary got married. And then mm. also two missionaries in their first year fell in love and then went to separate campuses and then ended up getting married. So okay, yeah. you have been in... A history. Yeah, there's a history at KU, so this is why <laughs> this is happening. Yeah. yeah, there is a history. That's why there's such a buzz around this. <laughs> um, so then, um, like, halfway through my second year, I will say, uh, well, or, like, in the fall of my second year, um, Dave became available, I will say, <laughs> um, to date. And um, honestly, it was, like, shortly after that that I was like, I think I like him. Like, it was just so weird. I just feel like I all of a sudden was, like, having feelings for him. And yeah, Dave's normally not a very sort of winsome guy. So, yeah, I'm surprised you were. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I yeah. Think I Great like guy. Him. I shouldn't be surprised. Buzzes. Okay, Girlfriend. Whoa. Okay. That's also because I, I, um, I just didn't, I just didn't expect to be like dating anyone, you know, like, or like to want to date anyone during, during that time. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so then we started dating and you want to go? Oh. oh, sorry. Yeah, please. Yeah. 
Do you want to finish off the story? Yeah. So um, I asked her on our first date. I was, you know, very waiting, well, very well, waiting for the say. perfect yeah. moment and uh, it just didn't really come around. <laughs> and so I was like, hey, Sarah, can I talk to you outside? <laughs> nice. I just kind of blurted it out. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah, asked her on a date. Uh, this is so Sarah is gluten sensitive, um, dairy sensitive, and I didn't have any idea what a gluten was. Um, and uh, so I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, take her to one of my favorite places in town, Limestone Pizza. It's nothing gluten free at all, everything <laughs> is pizza, and uh. Yeah, that obviously has funny. both wheat and cheese in it. <laughs> so, awesome, awesome. <laughs> swing and a miss there, but it went okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just literally after the first date, I was just like, I'm going to take her on as few dates as I can until I can convince her to be my girlfriend <laughs> because she's awesome. Um, and Aww. I want her to be my girlfriend. Just know it. I want to date her. And um, so we went on a few dates. And uh, yeah, shortly thereafter, made it official. Mm -hmm. Going steady. If people still say that, I don't know why they say that. Uh, but uh, you're a thing. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's what they say, right? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I just it only took three dates. Yep. Nice. Three dates, and I was one over. <laughs> And so, yeah, we just... Wait, what'd you order that first? Like, what'd you eat? They do have other things. Oh, There's a few okay. things that aren't pizza. Okay. Like you a salad. Pizza, though. Yeah, I probably did get pizza. Yeah. Because limestone has really good pizza. <laughs> so you just... And uh... it's like, they say, I don't know, they like do it a little bit different so that if you're like gluten sensitive, it shouldn't be as big of a deal. And so I was just going with that. Um, so, it. yeah. Got it. Got it. <laughs> So nice. Just had the pizza. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So three dates. Uh, you guys are dating after that. Yep. Steadily. Uh huh. Yeah. And, uh, and and yeah, I just feel like for I mean I think for both of us like just our time dating was just like very like grace filled. It seemed like, and it just seemed like it was just continuing to be like blessed by God. You know, like mm -hmm. just okay, like let's yeah. just yeah keep doing this and um. Yeah, and then I knew I wanted to marry him pretty pretty quickly, I feel like. Um, yeah, <laughs> she did. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so, yeah, then I, you know, just had to be patient, which was great. And, yeah, so we dated for like a year and then got engaged. And then... Um, Ten months later. Yeah. Got married. Mm -hmm. We got married about six months ago. Nice. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So now. Uh, the wedding was awesome. The party was awesome. It was, it was five mm -hmm. stars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wasn't at your honeymoon, but the, uh, the party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. great. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's just been, it's been incredible because, you know, you think, on your wedding day, you love somebody the most. It's a big, grand expression of hmm. 
your love this huge basically festival you have you know um and i that was that was true at the time um and then you start living together and you start spending all your waking minutes together and all your sleeping minutes together and um just really quickly because shortly thereafter we had the whole covid quarantine so really a lot of our daytime was spent together yeah. <laughs> compared to what it yeah. would be you know because yeah. I, I was working from home i was no longer traveling for work because that was shut down pretty quickly um and it just was amazing how that love just grew deeper and deeper um and you know still does and yeah it's it's just been incredible to not be to be living the married vocation you know not removed from the world not in a monastery or um as a priest for myself um but to be living this like really a devotion like i don't know that this is entirely accurate but i mean i almost think of it like you know a devotion in a similar way to like a saint where it's like hmm. different but you know god has set aside this person for each of us uh, for, for me and me for her and um serves my path to sanctification and our children and so to not be like sacrificing every small suffering for her and our growing child and to not be including her in every prayer that i say is you know, it kind of just goes against that. And I think that that's, that's been the coolest for me is to really grow in this deep sense of devotion to Sarah um, and to her growing child. It's uh, something that I wouldn't have expected. You know, I just thought it was like, you know, didn't, I don't know. Didn't plan ahead for yeah. that one. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't plan for that one. But yeah. just yeah. an amazing grace. Yeah. An amazing kind of deepening to the spiritual life. And like to just going to my normal job and, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that word devotion. I mean, people talk about being a devoted husband or a devoted wife. And yeah, that's mm-hmm. exactly what it means to sort of like have your world kind of center around the other person. Um and so sometimes you can see red flags in a marriage, certainly when when someone might become super involved in something outside of their spouse, mm. um, even something very good, but it's sort of like almost like a, an avoidance of the primary path to sanctity, as you were saying, like, and that can be an easy thing to uh, have in the priest, it happens in any vocation where you mm. sort of, um, you try and find a way to give of yourself to something very good but outside of that kind of primary mode of self-gift. And so the fact that you've experienced kind of this increase in devotion, attachment in a good way, you know, um, to each other is a sign that like, 
you know, your vocation is progressing in the proper direction, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like, um, that's a really great thing to hear, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I will ask one, one question. So something I'll bring up a lot in marriage prep, um, especially with couples who maybe haven't had like a full conversion yet, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, uh, is just the, um, the stat stats speak to some people, not to others, but yeah, there is a stat that like the most significant thing studied, at least so far as I'm aware to predict, um, a lack of divorce is like couples that pray together every day. Um, Mm. it's like Mm. one out of whatever, 1100, some couples that actually pray together every day get divorced. Um, so extremely tiny percentage. Right. Um, so I don't know if you, you guys can describe a little bit about how your mutual prayer together has developed mm-hmm. since the time you were dating up, up to now. Mm. <laughs> you can, you can start. You can okay. start. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think that, that both of us, I would say tend towards liking our own meditative prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I, when it was quarantine time and, um, you know, we were, I was able to sleep in a little bit more. Um, oftentimes I, I usually do my, my prayer in the morning. Um, now it's, I'm, I'm up before Sarah is and kind of leave the house about when she's getting up. But, um, it was really cool for, for, you know, a good portion of our the beginning of our marriage to be able to share that time just mm-hmm. in silence before the Lord together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that we've done throughout our whole relationship is mm-hmm. going to the chapel pray together and um, just holding one another accountable for having our set aside time for a daily prayer. Um, and I would say that that's you know, grown as, I don't know. I would say that now going to the office and, you know, having kind of different schedules, we don't do that set aside Mm -hmm. time for prayer at the same time anymore. Um, But usually in the evenings we're including one another in prayer Uh, and just, I would say even our prayer before meals is it usually turns into just us praying aloud for one another, for hmm. our intentions, for some certain thing, praying a rosary together. And prior mm-hmm. to the rosary, just saying our intentions and praying for one another and for our baby. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I would be, uh, Honestly, the, we are not very consistent, I will say, with like regularity of mm-hmm. like every single um, night, you know, we're praying the rosary or, um, yeah, we started, yeah, we're six months in. So it's like, I feel like we're, we're trying to get something, yeah. you know, consistently going when it comes to like mutual prayer together. Um, but the, yeah, before meals, like definitely, I mean, that's, you know, a time that we're like, you know, we're eating together. So it's like, and it happens every day. So that's an easy way to, <laughs> to do that. Um, 
but yeah, so, you know, every now and then we will, um, yeah, pray rosary together or we even, um, we started doing on like Sunday nights a while ago, like doing like Lexio Divina together. So like Mm -hmm. just kind of praying that out loud with scripture, um, that's kind of, uh, fallen to the wayside a little bit, but, (laughs) um, yeah, yeah. I think that I, I mean, I think that we both of course want to figure some, like, I want to do something like that. Like consistently, you know, like on like a schedule, like yeah, a regular basis. So which schedules are tough now because yeah, I work all day and you go to class at night. That's true. There are a couple nights of the week that I'm at class. I kind of forget about that. So Um. (laughs) yeah, and you had a pandemic breakout while you're, and I'm not making excuses for you. It's just life has looked drastically (laughs) different over the past six months. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there are a few ways that have. And I feel like too, like it's grown even just in like um, vulnerability, like uh, you know, like um, sharing our even like our. I think it's yeah important for us to like share our like what's happening in our individual prayer, you know, Hmm. Uh, meditation and things together, Hmm. like with each other, Um, and yeah, and even sometimes you know, like what's on you know even before meals, like just kind of a time of like coming to God individually, but like out loud um, with this person in front of you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And kind of just talking about continuing vulnerability in prayer, you know, prior to us being married and even in kind of the beginning part, we'd go to our time of prayer. Like, How was your prayer? Good. How was your prayer? Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, really sort of diving deeper now and um, speaking specifically, you know, hey, what, it, what was sticking out to you in prayer? What was your heart set on in prayer? Mm-hmm. This is what I was thinking. This is what I was concerned by. This is you know, what I was bringing to the Lord. Um, and really being able to share that level of relationship that we're having individually with God, with one another. It's been really, really good. Great. I think we're pretty much out of time. We got somebody else coming in and sort of boot you off the shell. (laughs) But uh, it's been great having both of you on and hearing your stories individually and together. And um, yeah, we will be praying for your child in particular. Fifteen weeks, you said. Sixteen weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I'm sure that's going to throw a whole new wrench into your yeah mutual Ooh, yeah. prayer, or <laughs> every, basically everything <laughs> else. Yeah. yeah, everything else in your life, but uh, a good wrench. So, um, yeah. great. Well, that's all for now, folks. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the City on a Hill podcast. Uh, you might pray as well if you remember right now. Pray for Sarah and Dave's baby (laughs) and um, for their witness as a married couple in the midst of the world. Um, And we'll see you next time on the City on a Hill podcast. That concludes today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Consider subscribing to our channel so that you never miss a future episode. And check out our website, kansascityonahill.org 
To see more about our organization or to see our calendar of upcoming events. And if City on a Hill has been a gift to you, consider partnering in our mission as a monthly donor. See you next week.